Hello everyone, it is now 5pm on this Wednesday evening in Kingston and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share with me, please contact me via email, which is news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Hi everyone, it's Alex, and I hope you're doing well on this fine Wednesday evening. The weather has been holding up so nicely for the past week, I feel, which is amazing now that the season is finally shifting from spring to summer. It's crazy to think that we're already at the end of May, you know, it's June um, come this weekend, and I feel like so much has happened over the last few months. But um, it's also kind of gone by slowly and quickly um, all at the same time. But I hope that quarantine is getting slightly easier for you folks, especially now that restrictions have eased up. Um, Wall parks, trails, and boat marinas are open. Don't forget that park amenities are still prohibited for use. So water fountains, picnic tables, that sort of stuff. Um, About two weeks ago, it was announced that St. Lawrence College aims to have the college partially open for the fall semester for online and some on-campus classes. Staff don't expect the same number of students to be able to learn on campus, um, obviously. But CEO of the college, Glenn Volagret, plans that 20 to 25% of the student body could be on campus for learning. Um, The college is prioritizing in-person and on-campus classes that require a lot of hands-on learning and lab work, so specifically for disciplines that require that kind of stuff. Um, But St. Lawrence wasn't the only Kingston post-secondary institution to announce that their fall semester had been moved online. Last week, Queen's University students were informed that a decision had been made regarding the fall term. Each of the um, all undergrad students received an email from the dean of their faculty um, saying that the faculties made a decision to deliver the undergraduate program remotely for the fall term. However, if public health officials declare that it is safe for students to return during the summer, they will welcome students back and update them on how the semester will proceed. Amidst the whole pandemic and once Queens moved completely online in March, the university provided its students with a vast amount of resources to help cope with the transition in some ways that they could. According to the Queens Journal, the university provided over $2.7 million to Queens students who applied for a bursary due to financial struggles related to COVID-19. Over 90% of the students who applied for the bursary fund were eligible and received the financial aid that they requested. The average amount received by each student was $800, and international graduate students received around $1,500. 
not only did just the university provide funding, but the Alma Mater Society of Queens, which is the Queen's student government essentially, they also created a bursary to assist people with financial struggles, specifically for people who were employees of the AMS. The AMS Employment Financial Aid Bursary was made available to paid employees of the AMS. So people who worked at AMS services, such as the AMS pub services or taps, um, tricolor outlet, common ground coffee house, walk home, the PNCC, all that kind of stuff. Um, they were able to apply for an employment bursary um, since um, in mid-March when the semester moved online. The um, A lot of the services, if not all of them, were um, shut down. In addition to the funding that Queen's provided for its students, the Canadian government is accepting applications for the Canadian Emergency Student Benefit in which post-secondary students who meet certain eligibility requirements can qualify for $12.50 a month, and if students have a disability and or dependents, they can qualify for an additional $750 a month, um, totaling their um, totaling their grant to $2,000 a month. Students can visit the Government of Canada website to see if they're eligible for the CESV grant um, with a nice little checklist, and if they are, they can apply for the eligibility period. Now that Queen's has announced that the fall term will be delivered remotely, what does this mean for Queen's students who relied on jobs in the AMS, for example, to pay rent, pay for textbooks, contribute to their tuition, groceries, all that kind of stuff that comes with um, living in the university district. So in speaking to some Queen's students, both domestic and international, a lot of them have concerns about the semester being online. One student um, expressed concern over the academic support and resources and how that will be available um, and and how that will be available to students. This includes seminars, office hours, and TA office hours, and while online scheduled meetings could be a quick fix to this problem, some students find that in-person learning or explanations are easier, especially if they're attempting to reteach or review a new course concept, especially some students who may have learning disabilities. Another concern that arose with students was paying the same tuition fees for a lower quality method of course delivery. After speaking to an international student, she is concerned with the expensive tuition fees as she is already paying um, at least three times more than domestic students pay for their tuition. Um, she is even considering taking the year off if tuition fees remain the same as they don't reflect the same experience that she has had over the years and access to all these different things in person and the facilities um, and the support. So she is currently trying to find an online internship to ensure that her potential year off will still be valuable in some way if she has to take the year off. Um, but hopefully... There are groups on campus who can um, gather together and do something about it, and not just at Queen's, but universities um, in Canada and Ontario. Um, the Queen's undergraduate trustee and the Queen's rector, they're working towards a collective goal of reduced tuition fees. In a written statement put out on Monday, May 25th, on the Queen's website rector page, they stated, We feel that the university experience as well as our education, should be reflected in tuition fees. 
and additional accommodations. While an online education, when properly implemented in certain disciplines, can be incredibly effective, it is not naive for students to recognize the benefits of face-to-face interaction. Although necessary under current circumstances, we recognize that an online format is not an ideal method of instruction and tuition reductions need to be actively considered. It is important to acknowledge the, co- the countless students who rely on work-study, laboratory, and various other forms of income that are no longer available to them. These and, many other ver- un- these and many other additional costs are placing increasingly vulnerable students with the difficult question of continuing their education. As more updates um, happen, they will be provided as news becomes available. As you know, the summer season is approaching us quite quickly with the start of summer just over three weeks away. Usually in Kingston, we like to celebrate the start of summer with the annual Skeleton Park Arts Festival, which takes place every summer solstice weekend. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the festival cannot go on as normal, but SPAF has been working really hard to still bring folks to the festival virtually and in person in some really cool ways. So luckily, I was able to get in touch with Greg Tilson, the artistic director of the Skeleton Park Arts Festival, to talk about how staff and volunteers are hard at work to still make the festival possible during these times. So we're going to give Greg a call and talk about SPAF. I'm going to switch over to my phone recording device, so my voice is going to switch up a little bit, but I hope you enjoy. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, perfect. First, welcome to CFRC. Um, and can you just tell us a little bit about um, yourself and maybe how you came to being the artistic director of the Skeleton Park Arts Festival and what your role entails? Sure. So, um, yeah, the artistic director is, I guess, mainly someone who um, programs um coordinates, uh, manages the budget, um, implements all the festival activities for the Skeleton Park Arts Festival. And that's the one staff position um, that's complemented by like 150 volunteers uh, for year-round programming. Um, but the main, the big event is uh, the, the festival in June that, that uh, aligns with the summer solstice. And um, yeah, I guess I've been doing it for 15 years, and I'm one of the, the founders of the organization. Wow. So, so yeah, that's my role with the festival. That's awesome. And kind of, can you talk about maybe a bit of um, what the festival was like when you first started it and what it's kind of grown to now and the difference and how you've kind of seen it evolved? Yeah, that's a great question because it, it, it totally pertains to where we're at Um um, in, in, you know, with this pandemic and, and how we see uh, our future unfolding. Um, but the, the festival goes back to, um, you know, uh, I guess over 15 years ago when it, when it was just a neighborhood picnic um, through the McBurney Park Neighborhood Association. And, you know, there would there would be some some light music and and food and just uh you know neighborhood camaraderie and and then um myself and and some other uh music lovers and arts lover um began to to program music uh to align with that and it started off as the the skeleton park music festival 
And so over the years, it's just slowly grown. And that's been a combination of, um, you know, that the neighborhood vitality, I feel like, has, has really uh, become richer, and especially in terms of arts programming. And um, also, um, we've just, you know, um, been able to uh, partner with different funding organizations like the like the City of Kingston Arts Fund, for example, and, mm-hmm. and kind of create the, the revenue to allow us to book more artists and pay, pay artists and pair local artists with international level artists and build up the infrastructure and, um, you know, broaden to be a multi-arts festival. And just over time, we were just, uh, we just slowly grow, grew um, uh, as the neighborhood grew, you know, you know, and we, we, um, we went from just being that little picnic with, with some acoustic guitars to being now like a year round arts organization that, that programs, um, you know, all like all throughout the neighborhood, and is is a really uh, integral part of the the community building that goes on here through the arts. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. That's so cool. I didn't realize that it had a history like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it goes it goes way back for sure, and 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 um, uh, we're still we're still like a uh, relatively compared to other. I guess, you know, national level festivals, we're still like a small grassroots neighborhood thing. And, and that's, I think that's where we thrive. You know, we, we mm-hmm. thrive in these like intimate relationships with, with the neighborhood, with the residents. And it just naturally like extends beyond that to, to bring in, you know, people from throughout the city and, and throughout mm-hmm. the province, even sometimes even out of the country, the people come who are seeking these kinds of like intimate arts experiences in a right. in a neighborhood that's that seems to be emerging as, as like an arts district for the city. You know, it's just kind of be where all the artists um, are, are living and working. Um, for sure. But yeah, it, it definitely has a history. And uh because it's it's very much artist run, you know. Like I'm an artist myself. A lot of the volunteers are artists. Like I th- I think it it's going to thrive for many years to come. For sure, yeah. Um, and as released last week, like I mentioned, we found out that um, staff won't be um, running as usual this summer, I should say. Um, but you do um some plans to have some virtual programming but you also so that you also have some in-person programming so i was just wondering um what exactly are your plans and what will kind of be available to audience members right so um yeah i mean we we've been working closely with with uh, the the city of kingston and and the the events office and um local public health you know just to make the 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 health of of residents and artists and our volunteers uh you know the priority and mm-hmm. so um we've been getting a lot of support and, and um from from these types of organizations the the Kingston Arts Council and so you know like all other organizations in Kingston and across the country and around the world <laughs> you know we're 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 just doing our best to to tr- to continue to try to fulfill our mandate considering the circumstances, you know, right. like in light of social distancing. And, and so, um, you know, there, there's a lot that we can still do, you know, like we, we created a, 
a neighborhood newspaper um and uh you know during during uh the initial stages of of the social distancing and 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 people being isolated into their homes we were able to distribute the newspaper to like over 4000 people throughout the neighborhood um oh, you know Canada Post delivered it door to door right and so that's something we're like okay we can do this we can do print media um you know we were we're still able to do like really intimate pop-up performances in the street there's an in- initiative that the New- the McBurney Park Neighborhood Association and the festival have been doing called Neighbors at Noon and it's really simple all you do at noon is you go out onto your front porch or your front stoop or your sidewalk and just kind of say hello to your neighbor. Just, just like that simple act of like engaging with people that live near you. Mm-hmm. And so we've just enhanced that a little bit by sending over, you know, Spencer Evans on his clarinet uh, to do a little, you know, add a little music to that. And, and that's been really well received. So it's just a way for the festival to continue to pay artists um, um, and, and kind of engage the neighborhood in really simple ways. Uh, so we're, we're continuing to do these type, these type of pop-up performances, which in, in the streets, right, which is similar to, to our, our porch jazz that we've done for many years now with the festival. And we're, we're creating, um, a neighborhood art exhibition. So, okay. um, in partnership with the Union Gallery, um, it's called Next Door. And we're we're hiring professional artists throughout the neighborhood, and there's a lot of them uh, to install um, uh, their art on on their you know their in their front windows and doors and, and front yards, and um, that will be uh, launched during the time frame when our festival would have happened, like June 17th to 21st. Awesome. So so again, you know, like we're out. It's spring. It's you know summer's on the way. We're out walking. So this is a way to turn the neighborhood into a gallery. And, and you know, the galleries are closed, like Union Gallery's closed, Agnes is closed. So instead, we're we're featuring some of the Kingston's best artists just on your walks through the streets, right? So that's another example of we're still doing the online stuff, you know, like we're going to be featuring um, many uh, of our festival artists um, live streamed from the Isabel main stage um, during that festival time frame. Um, we're doing um, online coffee houses in partnership with the Elm Cafe. So that was a, a you know like a, a, an open mic type format that happened at the cafe, and mm-hmm. now we're doing it through Zoom. So you know people are performing live from their living rooms, and it and it's really interactive and personal and intimate. All these things that I you know I think that are are key to the spirit of the festival. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. And I love the idea of like having all these different paintings and artworks just like on our porches and balconies. It's going to like totally transform the city. And I think that that's a really awesome initiative. I, I really like that. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you approve. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in terms of um, the in-person and even um, the online events that you're hosting, how can um, people who want to participate and view these kinds of stuff, how do they get access to um, the online events that you have? And in terms of the in-person art exhibit, for example, how will you kind of monitor social distancing um, so that people are still able to come out and enjoy it? Yeah, good questions. Um, uh, The first part of your question, I think, the easiest way to access 
um, the online components of our programming um, is just to go to our website, skeletonparkartsfest.ca. And um, the assistant director, Neil Bettany, has done a fantastic job, um, you know, keeping the information uh, updated on our website about all of the different programming uh, we've initiated, the revised festival in light of the pandemic. And it's it's really easy to read and navigate. Um, he just posted this this artist residency that that we initiated with with John Clater, the visual artist, and what he's doing through Zoom is he's interviewing people throughout the neighborhood, and then creating visual art like uh, storytelling through visual art and portraits, and kind of telling stories in a unique visual art kind of way. So that's all up on the website, and how you can access all of this programming is up on the website. But in terms of the in person, you know, maybe for people that don't have computers or or just aren't as comfortable with that type of um, interacting. We're going to be having signage throughout the neighborhood. And when I say the Skelton Park neighborhood, like in general, it's kind of like north of downtown, like, you know, the the, the east side being the Cataraqui River, the west side being Division Street, and kind of mm-hmm. extending into the north end, like, you know, concession, John Counter kind of thing. Right. And so, yeah, I think like postering, signage, um, um this type of communication, the newspaper, which was delivered door to door and also like in little, you know, little public libraries boxes on people's front lawns, those free libraries, you'll find the newspapers in there. So it's just, you know, there's there's ways to communicate uh, beyond the computer. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to do our best to to use the same language and um, to use the same uh kind of direction that public health is giving us in terms of how to uh, encourage safety, right, during, mm-hmm, yeah. um, uh, to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So we will have that on, on all our print materials, on all our website, and, and our volunteers that are out and about will, will, be, will be helping people to follow those guidelines. That sounds really awesome. Um, and in terms of um, the whole experience of, you know, taking, you know, planning um, for staff for this past year and stuff, moving all these parts of the festival online and kind of adapting to everything um, in a short amount of time. Um, what has that whole experience been like and what has it taught you perhaps about the future of what the festival could be? Like, would you consider maybe online events again in the future um, to make it accessible to people who can't attend or any of the new ideas that you've come up with? Yeah, well, this this is the exciting question, Alexandra. And, and you know, it's, it's such an unusual time. It's such as mm-hmm. an extraordinary time. And of course, during times like that, there's, there's so much opportunity. And yeah, you're right. Like the learning that's going on uh, just with re- your reference to, to accessibility is is tremendous. You know, like um, the way that we can provide programming online for people with mobility issues or like that, you know, just can't access some of the traditional venues around town that the average person can. It's, you know, there's great, great opportunity happening. So that, you know, that's positive, right? There's some really cool stuff that we hope to continue beyond um the social distancing measures and and so so you're right there's there's like a great opportunity to to broaden audience to like connect more people um as we as we get through this right mm-hmm. and i think the learning for me you know 
during this is I, th I think as a festival, like, you know, we talked about this, this is kind of our 15th anniversary, right? Um, and, and, and so what, what, a, what, a, what a great time to reassess and what a, what a great time to kind of look back at, at what we've achieved over the years. And I, I think, you know, not unlike um, many other parts of our society, uh, I think we want to we want to get back to our roots and, and simplify a little bit, you know. And 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 I think we want to we want to focus on on the relationships in our neighborhood, in our community, uh, with our artists, with our volunteers, and and it's a great time just to kind of step back and, and simplify things a little bit. I think that's really positive, um, you know, because you can kind of, like many of the funding models um, with 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 arts grants and that kind of thing, and capitalism in general, you know, this can, there can be this like exponential growth that's like spiraling out of control, and that can happen in the arts community too, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just helpful for me who I can, you know, I can get caught up in numbers and an audience, and you know, like what we're programming and how many people we're reaching. And this is just a great opportunity just to like, I don't know, just, just to like get back to really simple, like the value of, of relationship, like kind of like the quality of the relationships that we're building right. uh, with what we're doing. And, and so that's, that feels really good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like on a personal level that it feels good just to like say, you know, we can do really simple things. We can like strip down our programming into the streets and, you know, cafes and churches and, you know, schools and just kind of go back to our roots. And that's okay. You know, like the pandemic may, may force us to do that. And that could be really positive just to like reestablish some of those relationships. So I'm excited about that. And I, and I think there's great opportunity that, and that kind of mentality can, can extend beyond arts communities, um, just in terms of how we live our lives in, in maybe simpler ways that's that's better for everybody. Yeah, that sounds like a, yeah, that's a very profound way of looking at it. Um. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going with, Alexander. That's, you know, yeah. like we're, we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants here and, and uh, we're just doing what we can. But, but uh, yeah, you know, and, uh, like they say, in, in crisis, there's opportunity and there's great there's great learning opportunities here. Mm -hmm, for sure. And yeah, definitely, like now that you don't have to focus on all these other aspects of it as much, um, per se, you can really just get down to the root of the festival itself and really what um, everyone's there to enjoy and what they're there to do. So that's really great that you're able to have that outlook on it. Um, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add um, before we end off? Oh, well, I'm... <laughs> I mean, those are pretty lofty thoughts. I mean, I mean, the reality of uh, of, of this is that, um, you know, artists are having a hard time. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. When, in terms of like paying people, like we're doing our best to continue to pay artists, and uh, my heart goes out to 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 you know these artists that are trying to like figure out how to move forward. You know, so as much as I can like philosophize about about how we can change in really positive way here ways here it's 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 really hard to to consider how artists are going to move forward and make a living so i mean we'll we'll do our best to work with them with that and 
and again, I think it you know it does get back to relationships and and how to work together. And yeah, I think the only other thing I would I would mention is that the other opportunity that's happening here is is partnerships. You know, like Kingston's Kingston's uh, um, you know for many of us it's it's like a town, right? It's it's mm-hmm. like in compared to Toronto, Montreal, New York, and it's a town. And and we're we're we we all know each other here, and and there's great opportunity just to like rally together and help each other out. And that goes for the arts community, the artists, the arts organizations. And, and that's definitely happening. I'm feeling that. And, Mm -hmm. and so that there's a lot of strength in that. And so, um, yeah, I would just encourage everyone to just to focus on that, you know, like let's help each other out and, and, uh, and we'll get through this. And, uh, and I guess on behalf of the Skeleton Park Arts Festival, I I just want to thank everyone for, for their continued support and, and sticking with us as we as we try to figure this out together. And and yeah, and thanks to CFRC. You guys are doing a lot of cool cool stuff too like on the fly here with this pandemic and and um you know with theater and and all kinds of different arts forms um using using radio as this as this really empowering tool to communicate and connect people. So thank you to CFRC for all the you know all the great work you're doing right now during this difficult time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, that was, that was really, really well put. Kingston has such a vibrant arts and culture community, and it's something that, like, I instantly fell in love with when I um, start, when I moved for, because I study at Queens, and when I started, like, exploring more of the city, going to open mic nights, and, you know, mm. listening to all these local musicians. It's just really nice to see such a, not only just such a vibrant and engaging community, but also one that's so supportive of all the different people who kind of work yeah. um, together and stuff. I've never seen anything like it before. Totally. I had the same experience, Alexander, when I came, uh, uh, you know, just kind of, it's the kind of city that can really embrace you and, and, you know, make you feel part of something. But yeah, yeah, I just encourage everyone to, to check out the, the festival website, skeletonparkartsfest.ca to, to get in touch with what we're up to. And thanks so much for your interest. I really appreciate you helping us to get the word out. Yeah, of course. No worries. I'm glad to have been able to do this and that we were able to connect and find a time to talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, well uh, I hope to get to meet you in person sometime. And, and, if, and if, I mean, just you on a personal level. <laughs> okay. I definitely will check it out. I'll go on the website after this and sign up for the the newsletter. Yeah, great. Okay, Alexandra, thanks a lot for your for your uh, you know for reaching out. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much again. Hope you okay. have a good rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. 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 Well, that was a really great interview with Greg. We're gonna take a little bit of a break right now, and we're gonna listen to this amazing song called "Into the Trees." from um, Born Again, an album by Ellis. She is from Hamilton and she just released her debut album. It's an amazing album. Um, It recently got delivered to CFRC and it's in our music collection and I really, really love it. It's like this emo pop kind of like hazy kind of thing and it's really, really cool. So I hope you enjoy the song and then we'll be right back with some more news.
Listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, that was Into the Trees by Ellis off of her new album Born Again, released um, really recently. Yep. (laughs) 
Um, if you're really into some art, I have some good news for you because um, the Union Gallery has an amazing opportunity for its members and student artists, curators, and collectives to book sessions for a virtual studio visit. So whether you have a home studio, a digital portfolio that you would like looked at, if you have a new project in the works, or you just want to talk through your practices as a new artist or an established artist, you can chat and get to know Karina Magazzini, the director of the Union Gallery. This event is free of charge and it's on a first come, first serve basis. All you gotta do is email um, Karina and her email address is c.magazzeni at queensy.ca and you can book a 45 minute session with her on Mondays from now until September 28th. Um, virtual visits are scheduled during the hours of 11 a.m. to 4.45 p.m. so you can choose your own 45-minute slot during that time every Monday and I think that this is such a great opportunity for anyone with an arts project in the works or any previous ones to get feedback and just have a conversation about what you've been creating or maybe even this is a great opportunity to even find some new inspiration and stuff like that. I really used to be into painting when I was um, younger and stuff, younger as in like when I was 12 and 13 years old, um, and I couldn't really find inspiration anymore, so I kind of stopped, but now that I'm in quarantine, I have some old canvases, I got some new paint, bought some new paintbrushes, and I really, really want to start, so I may even take her up on that offer because I think it's a really great way um, to just talk with someone about a common interest that you have, something that you're doing, and maybe even just be inspired to create something new since we're all inside anyway for the most part um, and finding ways to keep busy indoors. Um, in addition to this, there is also the Art Hive at the Agnes. They have gone online, which I think is really cool. Um, so you can join the Agnes Etherington Art Center for this popular program using a virtual platform. So everyone who is 18 and older, you're invited to explore the artistic process through experimentation and play. If you're looking for more guidance, there will be an art therapist and facilitator who will be present during this program to support your creative journey, journey by offering um, inspired and thematic projects. Art Hive at Agnes um, will address themes of empowerment, wellness, and self-care while fostering a safe space and a sense of community, um, which is super, super great. Um, you don't need any artistic artistic experience for this program. Um, it's accessible, it is free for all adults, um, and you can sign up for the entire six weeks or you can even just drop in for a single session, check it out, see if you like it, and then you know if you like it you can always just continue. And all you gotta do to do that is go visit the website which is www.agnes.queensu.ca and if you scroll down on the website you can find the virtual art hive event on it and you can just click on it for more details and to sign up it's a great chance for you to take a break get in touch with your inner artist and just experiment with various forms of art i think that kingston is such a has such a vibrant arts culture um, whether it's visual arts drama theater music 
Um, I think there's just always so much going on in the city. And obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of things, as we know, are getting canceled and shut down and stuff like that, which, you know, really sucks because we really pride ourselves on all our festivals that take place. But I think it's really, 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 really great that all these different organizations are trying to make the most of it and trying to still provide their programs and their, um, their programming um, to people to access virtually. Speaking of um, the pandemic and stuff like that, the city of Kingston is asking residents to participate in a fun online challenge. And this challenge is called What's in Your Pandemic Time Capsule? And it is part of an ongoing online exhibition called Collecting Histories. Um, so the challenge is super easy. It basically asks participants to step into the role of curator to select, organize, and photograph a collection of five different objects that capture the essence of what your COVID-19 experience looks like. All you gotta do is take a flat lay picture or aerial picture of five objects that represent what this whole pandemic experience has been like for you um, and share the picture on the City of Kingston's Get Involved page. Um, JPEG format is recommended and the picture should be a minimum of 1200 by 800 pixels. Um, your image will be considered for future museum exhibits or cultural programming to highlight the community's pandemic experience. Personally, I think if I had to pick my own five things that highlight my pandemic experience, it would have to be my laptop for sure because I'm constantly on it for work and then after work, if I'm online shopping, which I've been doing way too much of since I am at home um, or watching Netflix at night, um, I think my second object would have to be my diffuser because I'm always running it. I'm really, really into aromatherapy. Um, my yoga mat, since I've taken up yoga stretching now in the mornings. A face mask container because that's my weekly self-care ritual. And quite honestly, a bottle of rosé because the weather's been beautiful. I've been drinking a lot of wine on the porch and I, I can't complain really. <laughs> Starting this past Monday, Kingston Transit has adjusted its service to accommodate riders who need to make more essential trips. Currently, all express routes run on a 60-minute frequency from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Routes 1 and 15 have reduced service to 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. and routes 17, 18, and 18Q are suspended. However, now the service changes include expanded service hours from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m and 8 a.m. 8 p.m. sorry to 11:30 p.m. on select routes including routes 501, 502, 601, 602, 701, 702, 1 and 7. There will also be an increased service frequency from approximately 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on select routes including um, the 501, 502, 701, 702, 801, 802, and the 1, 4, and 7, and addition of two temporary routes, um, routes 1A and 3A, to provide additional services in areas with a higher passenger demand. The city still encourages residents to board um, wearing to board and exit using the back doors so as to not put bus drivers at risk when working. Um, 
And Kingston Transit continues to ensure that increased sanitizing practices are in place for all common areas of the bus. But if you would like more information about um, the new um, bus services and changes, you can go to cityofkingston.ca and just go to the resident tab and then click on Kingston Transit and you can find the updated routes. Um, or you can also go on Google Maps um, and it is all done with live time, so that's pretty cool too. Last week, City Council was incredibly busy as they got together several times over Zoom. Last Wednesday evening, Council approved several measures that were aimed at mitigating the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on the City of Kingston's financial and staffing resources as stated in a news release. A 41-page report prepared by city staff provides an overview of the steps that various city departments have taken to ensure that essential services are able to continue safely during the COVID-19 pandemic. CAO Lainey Hurdle said, At this time, it's essential to take stock of our ability to meet commitments on a timeline set under very different circumstances underlining that the pandemic has impacted staff resources and finances. City staff during this time have gone, gone above and beyond to accommodate a lot of special situations during this time. Some examples include working with community partners to establish food security programs in emergency shelters, which is an amazing initiative. Um, large projects like this are being worked on in addition to the daily operations with this evolving situation and carrying out other initiatives and council motions. Last week, City Council announced in a report that if city closures and if non-essential programs are continuously cancelled, council and residents can expect a loss of $4 million by the end of August. Lainey Hurdle has used her authority to better position the city for financial recovery. Some of these practices include freezing non-union salaries for 2020 with the cancellation of performance-based increases and issuing a shortage of work notice to 55 full-time union and non-union employees. To help account for the financial gap that the city is facing, more decisions were presented to council and residents and council has approved the following. There is a revised timeline for council strat strategic priorities and council motions. While continue efforts to achieve the 105 initiatives outlined in the strategic plan, some of these projects are being impacted by pressures on staff time and inability to host in-person public engagements, obviously due to the pandemic. Um, another decision that was approved by council was to defer or close capital projects and return approved funding for closed projects to respective capital reserve funds. Two projects impacted by this deferral but still um, are set to proceed um, one year later um, reg in regards to their original plan date um, is the Confederation Basin Breakwater and the Bell Park Master Plan. Another one was to reduce 1.5 million of the 2020 operating budget transferred to the Municipal Capital Reserve Fund. Um, 
Another one was to use $1.25 million of operating revenues to address the financial gap. So to reallocate $500,000 of the 2019 operating surplus to reduce the $400,000 budgeted transfer to the working fund reserve in 2020 and to utilize the education tax room as part of the 2020 final tax rates to levy an additional $350,000. And also the last one is to defer the 2021 budget deliberations until early in 2021 in that year with the final budget bylaws approved by the end of the first quarter in 2021. Council also passed two motions at the special meeting on Wednesday to help in the COVID-19 financial recovery. These two motions include to eliminate the cost of living increase for members of council for 2021. This motion passed with full support and the other one was to support and endorse correspondence from the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and the Large Urban Mayors Caucus of Ontario to the federal and provincial governments that will request immediate financial relief to municipalities for COVID-19 um, regarding related expenses and lost revenues. During times like this where finances are a big concern and issue for everyone in one way or another, don't forget that a lot of local businesses rely on support during a time like this. So please support your local businesses in any ways that you can. Obviously, a big way to do that is by purchasing from them, but um, there are also some really amazing free ways to support your local businesses. Um, you can share their posts on social media, leave a good review, tell your friends and family about them. Those are all absolutely free ways to support your local businesses. Maybe get them some new traffic um, because maybe someone else can support them um, financially, even if you can't. Um, but yeah, just keep that in mind during these times. In recent news, there has been an increase in the amount of homeless people in Kingston who are pitching tents in the city parks. Maybe you've seen some of them um, at, well, City Park and also um, Bell Park. Um, in early May, the camp was about a dozen people and has grown now to over 40 in the past month or so probably also um, due to the warm weather. Um, other parks that have been housing the homeless are also popping up in City Park and at the Memorial Center in the barns over there. Um, in terms of physical distancing, that has obviously been a concern um, as in addition to COVID-19, other infections as well could also be contracted from a camp like this. Dr. Kieran Moore, local health public official, stated that um, stated this via Skype. He also said that he has been working with addictions and mental health services, as well as the Frontenac paramedics to test campers for COVID-19. And thankfully they did not detect anyone with any respiratory infection symptoms. Um, in a news statement released last Friday regarding this story, the city of Kingston is actually moving forward with a plan to meet the needs of people who are camping at Bell Park. Since Bell Park is located on an old landfill, it's not suitable for what it is being used for at the moment, um, and camping is not permitted, is not a permitted activity in any city park, so city staff will be working on transitioning people um, from camping in, out in the parks by June 5th, and that is their plan. After this date, the city will no longer allow campers in their parks 
The main components of the city's plans include to continue offering shelter in which campers will be offered individual and private rooms at existing homeless shelters um, to provide day services so that amenities like showers, laundry facilities, that kind of stuff can be accessed um, as an, on an as-needed basis. At, and this kind of stuff will be offered at in from the cold shelter. In addition to these, the city intends on working to establish a drop-in counseling service for people who require support as needed, and lastly, to relocate to suitable grounds. When the province lifts the restriction on campgrounds, the city will work with local campground organizations to provide people the opportunity to camp for the season at a place with washrooms, showers, and potable water. People will also be provided with tents, sleeping bags, and other equipment if needed, and other support services will be made available. I think it's really great that the city is taking definitive steps to ensure that our homeless population is kept safe and comfortable during these times and providing them with options to make things um, hopefully slightly easier. Some exciting news is that hikers will now have access to trails at Rock Dunder and the J.H. Fullard Nature Reserve starting this Saturday, May 30th. At Rock Dunder on Stanley Lash Lane, the trails are one way now um, to minimize the potential for the two meter um, or six feet apart, minimal physical distance requirements be violated. The organization asks that visitors wear masks when interacting with staff and volunteers um, just to mitigate any risks and to drivers of vehicles who arrive at the trailhead to check in. The washrooms are closed for the 2020 season um, as it is not a safe um, there is no safe way to uh, maintain them um, for staff and volunteers. All trash is asked to be bagged and taken out by hikers. Um, benches and other structures will not be sanitized, so please be cautious of that. You know, now that the weather is absolutely gorgeous outside, I think it is great that the area has opened up for hikes so we can get out there, get some exercise, and hopefully just have a change of scenery for a little bit obviously while maintaining social distancing rules and while this pandemic still continues. I think it's really great that we have these um, conservation areas and hiking areas open up um, because, you know, it can be a great place to um, take your family, take your kids, that sort of stuff. I know that it was recently announced that um, the YMCA program in Kingston, like the summer camp program, was unfortunately cancelled. Um, as well as in the township of South, of South Frontenac, they decided to cancel swim and day programs, um, obviously due to the concerns about COVID-19 um, and stuff like that, because physical distancing is obviously impossible during a time like this and stuff like that. And of course, while um, a lot of people, kids, parents, families will be disappointed that these may not be taking place this year, um, obviously, safety comes first. We need to make sure to minimize the risks of the spread, um, and to flatten the curve, and just to make sure that everyone's okay. But at the same time, we have all these conservation parks, these trails opening up. So, you know, it is another great alternative um, to take your kids out, um, get them some exercise, take them for a really nice view of something. 
Um, so I hope that that, at least, um, that the opening of um, Rocked Under and stuff like that um, is an alternative for you and your families um, to get outside during this time. Well, that concludes the end of today's episode of Today in YGK. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, whether you're right here in Kingston or listening from elsewhere. I also hope that you have a fun and sunny-filled weekend. If there's any local news for you to share, please be sure to send myself, Alexandra, an email at news at cfrc.ca. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm going to play a really fun song to end off. We're going to hear Step Into the Darkness by Said the Whale. They're a Canadian band, and they're super, super awesome. Um, so, yeah. I hope you guys have a great Wednesday. This has been Today in YGK with Alexandra Fernandez, airing every Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM this summer, also available on www.cfrc.ca and the TuneIn Radio app, available for iOS and Android devices. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday, everybody, and take care. Sweet light, sweet love of mine Might never again feel like it's the right time if it's the end, well, let's cross that line Let us step into the darkness Let's step into the darkness I was a ghost You were the fear of God All of my shrines were broken hearts and wind chimes I was alive
Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.